Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Bible Wire. In these podcasts, we discuss what the Bible says, line upon line and precept upon precept. Today, George Reuter, that's me, will be continuing our study on the book of Acts. Settle in for the next few minutes and learn more about who God is and how he loves. This is episode 40 in the series of episodes we're putting together about the book of Acts. We have made it to Acts 14, which means we're almost halfway there, right? Uh, 28 chapters in Acts. This episode and the next two will cover Acts 14. Let's continue with the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas. These are the first seven verses of Acts 14. I'm reading from the NIV. At Iconium. Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lycaonian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. That's the word of the Lord. So, let's talk about Iconium. Uh, first, a word about the city of Iconium. Uh, the name derives from the Greek icon, for which icon is a cognate, I-C-O-N. Uh, the Greek word is transliterated E-I-K-O-N, but it's pronounced icon, and we get our word icon from that. Tom Constable notes that according to Greek mythology, Prometheus and Athena recreated humanity there after a devastating flood by making images of people from mud and breathing life into them. So lots of communities have creation myths that are similar to our creation story. Uh, there are reasons for that that I, I think are obvious. Uh, Merrill Unger describes Iconium as, quote, a garden spot situated in the midst of orchards and farms, but surrounded by deserts. Iconium, too, owed its bustling business activity to its location on the main trade route connecting Ephesus with Syria and the Mesopotamian world, as well as its orchard industries and farm produce, end quote. So it's a beautiful place in the middle of a desert, and this is where Paul and Barnabas have arrived. We're still in Galatia, right, because the, the letter to the Galatians is written to all of these people. Galatia was a big, big place, but this is a beautiful garden spot in the middle of that place. So Paul and Barnabas show up, and immediately they head to the synagogue, as has become their custom, and they preach, and many, many people believe. This is marvelous news, and they are becoming accustomed to such news, which is a good thing. It is encouraging to a teacher every single time when something you say leads to lots of people jumping on board. It's just flat out encouraging. 
So Paul and Barnabas show up and scripture says they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. Their message wasn't just resonating with Jews. It wasn't just resonating with Gentiles. It was resonating with people. This is marvelous. But not everybody believed. And the gospel reveals our sin. And so those people who didn't believe and didn't want their influence diminished started trouble. Verse 2 says they stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned the minds of others against the teachings of Paul and Barnabas. Can you imagine what that was like? How did those conversations go? You can probably check your social media feeds for the modern day equivalents. There is plenty of hostility to the gospel in our day. It is not at all unusual to see a move of God opposed in vehement ways. Uh, the scripture says that they stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. What does that look like? How does that go? And I don't ask that for any other reason than Satan doesn't have a lot of plays in the playbook. This is a play he goes back to. So what does it mean when other people are stirred up against the gospel? Well, it means that there's some propaganda put out to sully the reputations of the people bringing the gospel, or there's propaganda put out that just says this gospel is false and here's here's why we think it's false whatever the jews needed to do to stir up gentiles to cause trouble they did um, poisoning minds happens way more frequently than you think that it does our culture is loaded with such poisonings so i started reading verse three Verse 3 begins, so Paul and Barnabas, and I was expecting the text to continue, left the area and went to some other city, right? So Paul and Barnabas left. So Paul and Barnabas gave up the area. So Paul, because they've already had plots against them that caused them to leave the places that they were. That's already happened. We read about that in chapter 13. But the text doesn't say that. The text says that Paul and Barnabas stayed and kept preaching. And the Lord honored that with signs and wonders to confirm their teaching. The old Kenny Rogers song says you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Know when to walk away and know when to run. And they did. Uh, depend on Holy Spirit. Draw really close to God. Know when the time is right. Know the Kairos timing of the Lord. There is no formula on this one. There's no, well, when this happens, we leave the city. And when this happens, we stay and keep preaching. But for whatever reason, Paul and Barnabas, in this case, stuck around and they kept preaching. And the Lord honored that preaching with signs and wonders to confirm it. Richard Lenski offers this commentary, quote, Paul never went off into a corner, gathered a handful, and then thought his task done. Even in Athens, he had the philosophers of the city around him. So he thoroughly evangelized Iconium, end quote. 
Paul and Barnabas did not shy away from challenges easily. Certainly not. So there's something to be learned there. When the pressure comes, sometimes you stand up in the middle of it and say, no, this is the truth. And whatever consequences come, this is the truth and you will hear it. The people of the city were divided, and the text seems to indicate that this was a pretty big to-do. What was it like for an entire city to be divided by two guys with a message in the synagogue? Uh, We have lived through, are living through, some pretty polarizing times where it's hard to imagine two people with very different views of, of how to move forward living in harmony. And... Paul and Barnabas are bringing the gospel. The gospel is divisive. It it is deliberately divisive. It says, hey, if you don't respond to Jesus, there is no hope for you. So, yes, I understand that the gospel is the most welcoming message in the history of humanity because the gospel says everyone can come to Jesus, but... The gospel is divisive in that it is uh, exclusive in its terms. It's not just that everybody can come. It's that everybody has to come in this particular way. And that's what drove certain Jews and certain Gentiles crazy because they disagreed with that underlying premise. I can imagine, looking at my social media feed, how a very small city could be captured by a very vigorous debate. You think about small-town politics. You think about the conversations that happen in the grocery store, at the barber shop, uh, just around town randomly. There may have been people wondering, how can we go forward together? Which side is going to prevail? Can I coexist with these people? Now... The sense from the text and the way it probably laid out was that the Christians were fine living with the Jews and the Gentiles, but the Jews and the Gentiles were not fine living with the Christians. Not unless they decided to shut up and go away, and Paul and Barnabas were not just going to shut up and go away. So if their time was anything like our time, that's how that laid out, where the Christians were like, hey, hey, I'm here for you. Rising tide lifts all ships. I'd like to help my community out. But the rest of the community look at them and say, no, not with that kind of a message, I don't think. Now, in fairness, the Christians were bringing the new message to town. Uh, and so some of the Jews and some of the Gentiles may have been looking at him saying, hey, we had a good thing going here till you came in and started messing with stuff. But... What they came and brought was truth, and it exposed sin, it exposed pride, it exposed darkness. And, well, it's hard to move forward peacefully coexisting with that all at the forefront. Well, the unbelieving side plotted to stone Paul and Barnabas, and so they left the city. Uh, This was not a hasty decision. Commentators think they had probably remained in Iconium for about eight months. Like, eight months is a long time. They had faithfully preached the gospel. Many people had believed, so their job was done. They could leave with a clear conscience. They had 
uh, no, no hard feelings about shaking the dust off the feet and, and moving on. Archibald Robertson offers this, quote, Paul and Barnabas had no idea of remaining to be stoned or lynched by this mob. It's a wise preacher who always knows when to stand his ground and when to leave for the glory of God. Paul and Barnabas were following the directions of the Lord Jesus given to the twelve on their special tour of Galilee, Matthew 10, verse 23, end quote. How did they know? I, I don't know. You stay really close to God. You stay grafted into the vine. You listen for Holy Spirit's leading. And sometimes you just guess and hope it works out well. Uh, that's a level of trust in God that everyone ought to aspire to. But to know when to stay and when to go, those are tough things to think about. Well, we'll pause here. Uh, there's more to come in Acts 14 in our next episode. Stay tuned. We'll talk then. We have reached the end of today's Bible Wire podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, or if you'd like more resources related to this podcast, you can find us online at www.zionfellowship.net. We're also available on social media. Look for Zion Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today on Bible Wire.